0: hello and welcome to the business of betting podcast today i'm joined by gugabe gugabe thanks for coming on before we get into this episode make sure you follow us on twitter at betting pod and check out the website businessofbetting.com guest suggestions are much appreciated This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code B-O-B-P-O-D. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. I'm joined by Gugabe. Gugabe, thanks for coming on.
1: Hey, mate. How's it going?
0: Very well, very well. This is a topic, an area that I am probably not as familiar with as others, so I'm certainly looking forward to chatting with you today and talking a little bit about MMA and esports potentially and some other stuff. So tell us a little bit about your background and experience in this space.
1: Uh, MMA-wise, <laughs> this is a bit embarrassing, but honestly, i probably got into the sport about 10 years ago. UFC Undisputed, like, one was like, I think, five bucks in the discount bin for PlayStation 3. And as a result, you know, just sort of kept rolling into the um, area. It kept rolling into the area. I was losing better for the first year or two, but, you know, who isn't? <laughs> and, yeah, you I know, just really just kept pushing on. I've done a fair bit of it myself and like, live action, like, you know, like, jiu-jitsu and all that sort of stuff. So that context. And just, you know, just sort of slowly built up my bankroll, built up my expertise over time. It's, a, yeah, it's an interesting space because really it's probably one of the last unquanted areas, I guess. the end of the day, it's a cage fight. Two guys enter a cage. It's a lot harder to um, gauge that when there's a lot of other sports. Um, yeah, and so esports-wise, there's less so these days because I feel the market's gotten a lot better in the last year or two because it's just, I don't know, natural influence because, you know, League of Legends that was in its infancy. But we've got yeah, you know, there was a great opportunity there and really it just shows that um, the easy money is usually in the areas that books are either um, raw at or just cannot um, leverage their significant quantitative advantages.
0: You could have picked Aussie rules, cricket, tennis, basketball, anything. Is there a simple answer as to why you honed in on MMA and esports and, and more niche areas?
1: Uh, well, I've got some quant background, but I'm not the um, best modeler and I think things like AFL and... Um, and don't know, quick, I've just said she had the, um, a lot of the opportunities juiced out than them by quants.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Data analysis rules the world. Um, and, yeah, we're talking sport like... The good thing about UFC is that you just have a bunch of unknowns. We are guys who for a fight in the UFC where you've got, like, six minutes of footage of them, six minutes of shitty footage of them on YouTube, and they're making a debut in the UFC. Well, it's guys like in tennis and AFL and all that. But everybody who goes into an AFL game is a known quantity. On some level, nobody is popping into it. Nobody's playing for Collingwood, of 12 minutes of footage. You know, it's uh, apart from saying even those, you know, those American transplants, maybe, but even those, like, you know, everybody has been thoroughly integrated into the system. How often are you really, really surprised by players in the AFL? Not that much, because just everybody, everybody is known from the age of 18 onwards. These days of cameras and all that. this, the um, and just you know, athletic development trajectory, just so much. It's so yeah, stratified, you, you just you, you know things where everybody comes in. Well, MMA and esports, less so now, but previously in the past. Yeah, it's, it's game of thrones season, so yeah, it's a, um, chaos is the ladder, And yeah, that's the main thing of um, UFC. It's one of the few markets where you've got real chaos and still decent limits.
0: So do you think it's a, a help or a hindrance if you were doing taekwondo and karate and jujitsu and other disciplines growing up, or do you think it's one of those things that doesn't necessarily matter too much for, for MMA?
1: I do know people who are successful who have got essentially no background, but I do think it definitely gives you a lot of context because you just a lot of these fights, how you're evaluating fights is just judgment calls. And if you've got first-hand experience in these positions, it's a lot easier to evaluate them. Again, it helps you. you know, there are a lot of gray areas, and the more personal experience you've got, the easier it is to evaluate them in those terms. That's really, I suppose, the space. Like, yeah, you know, I think it goes to most sports. I mean, I think, you know, tennis and all that. It really helps to be able to understand what what good service games like, what good um, rallying games like, and you know, put yourself in the ga- in the um, shoes of the athletes. You're talking about a lot of sports where it just it comes down to a very one v one of space, and yeah, you just yeah, it gives you know, get advantage. So, I've been training that sort of stuff for about 10 years, and I think it's probably paid off dividends in my betting returns. But yeah, I don't think I don't think that's everything.
0: Yeah. So take us through your approach then. Like when you see the card come out, take us through what's running through your your head, and in terms of you know turning a profit on this sport or this card, how do you go about dissecting it all?
1: There's a as I say, the UFC has got you've got a quite a major range in cards. Like say this Sunday, you got um. UFC on ESPN Plus 7 in St. Peter- Petersburg. About half the card is debutants. So we know not much about them. So in this case, I've essentially been going through sketchy Russian YouTube and watching uh, footage of people who have been fighting against nobodies and nothing organisations and trying to make conclusions based on how they go in those fights, which is probably my area of advantage. Like, so I've got a funny statistic. I've got about 40% ROI on... Non pay per view cards and a two percent ROI on pay per view cards, which is a fairly staggering difference. But I think it shows you really how much money you can make just from paying attention to the lower levels. That's that's really where I think my edges. In this case, yeah, I'll, I'll just go by I'll look at the, look at the um prices, go by feel, see what if anything immediately sticks out to me. If so, do do my tape. Usually not even that deeper they they use that deeper dig unless I'm really feeling it um, confirm my internal confirmation bias i guess um just buy into that sort of stuff yeah it, it's a lot it's probably a lot more based on feel than the majority of um, gambling strategies. It's worked for me because I feel like my sense of it's done better than the um most analytic strategies my staking is quite. Yeah, my staking is just, you, you just uh, one to five scale units. But yeah, even that's, uh, even that's fairly um, ad hoc. It just really just comes off um feel. Yeah, there, there's, I've started using a lot more quantitative direction in my in how I evaluate fights. Even that's just more things which are undervalued by the markets. There's a lot of um, interesting facets in that area too. Stuff like um, if fighter is shorter than his opponent, yet has longer arms, if you've taken every guy following that criteria for the last 10 years, you'd have made a 9% ROI which is insane. Just if you just blind bet everybody.
0: Interesting, yeah. Yeah, so how do you... So, like, fighting is, you know, there's the human instinct, human feeling. If you're watching a fight, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me in commentary is, like, any sport, whether it's ice hockey, whether it's any contact sport, commentators or those dissecting will say, oh, they've, they've come out aggressive, let's say, or whatever whatever that means. And, you know, does that mean... <laughs> That the players are remonstrating with the other players that mean they're scoring a lot does that like sometimes they talk about things in a very general weird commentary like way in fighting can you you know if someone comes out aggressive to Floyd Mayweather that's probably a bad thing because he's probably going to find a way to counterpunch and beat you is it is it similar in mixed martial arts where you have to have an eye for watching it and know what you're looking for and coming out aggressive can be an awful thing or a, a very good thing
1: it depends on the fight depends on the win condition like, a lot of times, you look at guys coming out aggressive who might not have the best chin or might have shitty gas tanks, and you're going, well, he's just turned this fight into a binary. You know, I finish in three minutes, always fucked, like Conor McGregor's career for the most part. You, know, if you go, if you go 100-0, unless you're an athletic freak, you're going to gas. So you're just trying to... And if you're an underdog, a lot of times, guys come out aggressive because they're just trying to force a brawl. You know, they're trying, they're trying to take as much of the skill elements out as possible and just trying to make it the pure binary, 50-50. Which makes sense if you're a big underdog. It's not, you know, It's not. it's like, you know, in basketball. I'm sure you've followed some basketball. Yep. Yeah, full-court press and that, those sorts of tactics. hmm Where you just go, fuck it, we're, <laughs> we're not going to beat you in skill. We're going to beat you <laughs> on conditioning. And, you know, it's the same for a lot of sports. The rugby, have got a lot of the um, grinding, um, rucking tactics. People say the same thing about it. We're just trying to get in their faces, gas them out, and um, simplify the game as much as possible. Yeah. That's how we get. How end, up, end up with rugby league. Um, yeah, it, it's such a wide. It's such a broad church. Like, yeah, you know, there'll be guys who, if, if I see them coming out of aggressive, I'll immediately go, "Oh fuck, you're." That's a terrible decision. But there'll be plenty of guys who, if they are going out aggressive, I'll be yeah, you know, I'll be happy because it's what they're playing the win condition. Like, really, that's that's the way I tend to cap things. I just tend to look at the um, look at if I think, what do I think the most three most likely outcomes are here in like specific terms assign arbitrary arbitrary percentages to each of them and then just work it and then just cap off that based on what props and Emails I can get and money lines I can get. It's probably the best way of uh, I guess scientific looking at the fight scientifically. Because this should UFC is once again is because there's so much chaos, you know, guys have short careers. Your longest UFC career is six and a half hours of actual cage time. Which is, you know, a grand scheme of things. We know more about an AFL player after what, eight games? Yep. So really even you know, you are seeing a guy for fifteen minutes every four months, if this guy's a particularly busy fighter and goes to the long decision. So it just there isn't a huge data set to really draw off. So you're really just trying to work on um broad, overarching um themes of his game and just getting a feel for what you're more you're more it's more of a science of getting the um I guess bullet points are right and really digging deep. I know guys will try digging deep into every sort of micron of footage they can get, but it just doesn't really work because there's so much of it's context Yeah, Everybody's got plans for to get punched in the mouth, and also a lot of what you're watching is based on very idiosyncratic circumstances, you know, injuries people are carrying. You don't know what the guy's camps are like, you don't know all sorts of shit. And as a result, it's just, you know, you have, you have to sort of create a broad understanding of the guy's game and simplify it, I guess. Keep it simple, stupid
0: yeah so tell me about the the data space you know people have probably seen you know boxing for a number of years where they'll have the the amount of punches and Manny Pacquiao would always have a couple hundred more every round almost um so what about MMA what's the what's the base data set like that's available and then on the analytics side are there any sort of advanced analytics like you mentioned before the they're a shorter fighter but longer arms do you sometimes have to create your own in this space?
1: Um, I can plug one of my favourite sites. So Better than tips is this very good um, calculator, which sort of helps you get. Um, it just does basic regression and correlation of um for the, on things like the um Ape index and that sort of stuff. Yeah, really, as far as advanced stats concerned, just aren't really many. It's, you know, it's people, some people live and die by the rate stats which is stuff like strikes thrown by per minute, strikes um, landed per minute, uh, take down accuracy, that sort of stuff. But it's very Apple Store and just a lot of the time. I personally tend to focus more on measurables and there are definitely a bunch of biases, biases in the space. Um, the books seem to love undefeated fighters regardless of who they fought. Um, momentum gets overrated a lot of the time. Um, yeah, so analytics wise, so I, I just usually run through. I've got this very broad, um, data set last 10 years and I've used it to tease out a bunch of interesting correlations and regressions, which show things that's been classically underrated in the, in the betting space. Yeah, there was a ton of not to say easy money, but there are a ton of interesting profitable correlations in UFC. Like if if you hit everybody between plus one ten and plus one fifty for the last eight years or so, you would have made about seven percent a year.
0: Why do you think that is? Uh, I think I'd say I think
1: more chaos than there. I just I just think it's a very, it's a very hard sport to cap. Like I I feel bad for the bookmakers here because I was like if I if I had to like sit down and make a lot lines to every single fight. I would be fucked. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm able to only pick the 25% of the ones I like and I can make a decent profit, but it's just I just think that... And also, it's, it is quite... A, the sport's quite vulnerable to casual money, pushing around the lines. The lines are a lot more volatile than you'd see in... Um, Probably any amount of major sport. Like, you know, even this card, just have a quick look. The guy go from... Another card fighter went from plus 153... To minus one twenty five on about three hours of steam last night. You don't see that much. You don't see that happening much on no. a on a week old market. So yeah, that sort of stuff just can't say will be on site. Like you make there's a lot of very easy money arbing the um, Australian bookmakers in
0: particular, which you know it's just because they're slow and lazy, which is yeah good on them. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me about the non pay per view stuff. Forty percent ROI is not a number to sneeze at. How do you feel about that? How do you think about that? Do you think you're leaving cash on the table, or is that betting the absolute max you can possibly bet? Or do you think about, you know, if there are some fights that you leave out because you think the numbers are right, that you may need to look at those again? How do you philosophically think about that type of result and what you can do in the future?
1: Uh, There's a lot of volatility there, to be honest. So yeah, I've got like a fair. Let me check how big my sample size. My sample size is about off about a thousand. Bet so I feel like I'm in decent space. I'm in a decently consistent space, and yeah, you know, it's really fluctuation. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fairly staggering difference. I think the main the, the main opportunity is just the main opportunity, particularly the lower level cards, is just seeing things that other people are too lazy to see. Yeah, you, know, you, you dig into sort of um, YouTube, YouTube, anything like that. You can usually get a lot more footage on foreign fighters than you think that you'd have, and off that you can you know, develop a information, asymmetry. You know, it's quite rare. In more mature sports, you know, a casual punter in his bedroom can get information asymmetry over the um, books. Yeah, you know, imagine it's like you know, imagine if four or, more, You know, imagine if somebody on their bed in the bedroom could just like um, pick up, you know, three times as much footage of horse races and that sort of stuff, over just through um, being diligent. It's just it's an information gap which you just don't see them in, in mature spaces.
0: So take us through. The betting markets then, What? What are they coming out three, four, five, six days before for, let's just pick a, the 10, 10 fight card arbitrary number or is it? Is it you've got to wait pretty close to fight time? Are there 10, 15 different outs you can get? Uh, tell us a little bit about the betting markets generally.
1: Uh, it depends really because like um, we've got, yeah, at the moment yeah, we've got full card odds for, or well, the, May, the May 4th card has just released the full card odds. So it's about, the standards timeline is about two weeks. Um, yeah, five times usually works as a market maker for this um, sport in particular. Um, I just, I'm not sure like, why that's the case, but just take, they just seem to have taken over the space, which is good on them. Um, as a result, they just trickle onto Australian books over the course of two or three days, depending on the card, cause like you, and you know, championship fights and that sort of area will tend to be have odds you know, weeks, if not months in advance. So if Conor McGregor was fighting, you'd have odds for it now, trust me. <laughs> Because yeah, you know, a lot of the time, it depends on how big a handle they can get. Yeah, you know, stuff like I mean, yours, yours are yeah, Aussie. Um, Alex Volkovsky's next fight—they've had odds out for that for like next for the last three months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I personally think old Volkovsky's gonna get killed, but yeah, I, I, I like the dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I want to. I want a top-level Australian fighter. Yeah, you know, Whitaker's fucking incredible. But yeah, it, that's—it really just depends on man. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure of a volume for. Um, UFC prelims must be a loss later. It must be probably losing money for a lot of books <laughs> because it, it, there's not a huge volume and, and most people betting them are quite sharp, I'd say, compared to... It's, it's like it's like NBA regular season. There's, there's just a lot... There's enough sharps in the space that it's just hard to um, make money a book. You're not really getting... You know, very few people, very few casuals are getting up in the morning going, oh, fuck yes, I get to bet on Gan- <laughs> Gansir Mads, versus Michal, Oleg Sajuk at 2 a.m. on a Monday, on a Sunday. <laughs> it's just you know, it's 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 hard to handicap, and it's probably just the volume's not worth it, which why I imagine why it's quite sloppy. It's quite sloppy bookmaking.
0: Is there volatility in the championship fights, or is it a little bit more efficient and starts off at a bit better point? Depends on the fight. Usually, they're
1: usually they're a bit closer because there's a lot more. Yeah, you know, there's a lot more knowns in championship fights. You know, most people fighting for championship coming off a fair bit of, um, you know, obviously coming off a fair bit of performance, coming off a decent data space, all that, like, but it, it depends on the championship fight, it depends what news is coming out in the background, it depends what the, um, space is like, like, um, something like the Volkanovski fight, has flipped the, um, Volkanovski started as an underdog, became favourite, went to underdog again, went to favourite again, went to, under- now is now seen as an underdog, which is not, un- especially unusual for, for a, um, high um, visibility fight conor mcgregor fights will tend to just pick a direction but i suppose they're massive yeah they're, they're, they're probably a massive um, profit draw for profit um, leader for the books so of course not going to be um quite as messy with the bookmaking. um yeah again it's it's a it's very volatile space probably, probably the easy way to make it. it's probably why it's one of the easy ones to make money in because it's just a lot of chaos
0: and will you bet every fight on the card generally or a vast majority
1: with my like five dollar fun bets, I'll bet every I'll bet every fight because it's just like oh, I feel it's a good luck thing. With serious money, probably about twenty to forty percent. Yeah, I have I have this sort of superstition. I guess I must have something in every fight, but that would usually mean five bucks. It'd just because yeah, I feel I feel like it makes it increases my investment, improves my ability to retain memory of what the fuck just happened. Yeah, I, I just feel like I can I can use recall I can use recall losing five bucks on something more than I can. Recall watching something happen. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it
0: heightens the um, focus. And what about the upper limit of the market? What numbers are we talking about generally, from championship fights through, you know, the the middle of the card to the to the prelims or the previews? I try to think. If,
1: if I really, really wanted to get on, just say a prelim fight this, um, yeah, pre- prelim fight, a prelim fight this weekend. If I really want to get on, I think about thirty grand to win. Uh, main event probably about 60-70 a Conor McGregor fight you probably get in for a million if you want to you know Conor McGregor or Rousey is fighting a million championship fights really depends how big the champion is and how um, certain the outcome is like it, it, it's really just it's really just follows the popularity curve at the end of the day it's, it's all going to be based on how much of a hand of books can take off you, <laughs> you know, in my case you all have to me, I've got New Zealand citizenship, so I've got access to Pinnacle and that sort of stuff so it helps a lot the Aussie market would be fucked. So I'd probably be lucky to get on a few grand if you really put it if you really pulled out for stops unless it was a championship, but
0: And what are the options? Is it corporates only?
1: Uh BetFares well your BetFair's like your obvious exchange. Got lower liquidity, but yeah, you know, it's still got in main markets. Uh corporates are around, you know, it's go obviously the difficulty getting corporates is everyone knows difficulties dealing with corporates. Um Particularly when you're winning consistently on a low margin low margin obscure sport. I'm not I don't think I'm a best friend to love corporates. <laughs> I'm sure if listening to this listening to this podcast you know what a deal is there. Um Yeah. Exchange exchanges aren't great for this. Pinnacles is probably the probably my best option to get real money on. Yeah, I haven't got access to five dimes, I lack the I lack appropriate citizenships, which is a pity. But yeah, broker broker services do exist. And the good thing is because five times tend to lead tends to lead the market rather than vice versa, you can usually get decent money on across um Australian side without really bending the market. Because at the end of the day, Australians are sort of obliged to keep up with whatever the Americans are doing. Where's sort of more follow than leaders?
0: And what about in play? I, I don't know if it exists where you are today, but if it does, how is it? And I would imagine it's probably something that would be popular, you know, in between rounds, for example, you know, especially the, the major fights where there's a lot of pay per view, there's probably a lot of Recreational interest and also the sharps are probably circling as well.
1: Oh, obviously we all know the difficulties of the Australian in play. You know, having to call up um Dazza at um, wherever in Northern Territory and um, asking for some um, asking for a bet can be quite fraught when you've only got minutes to get it on. Compared to you know between rounds or something, you know, three six five only opens opens up props between rounds. But you know, if the Australian you've got called up, you've got to get in touch that you've got to get your bet in. In really a forty-second window, which is not fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it really depends on where you are on the card too. Like, you know, for the average um, fight night card, you probably see full in-play markets for the for the top, say six, seven fights. Uh, early prelims don't tend to carry them. They've carried them overseas, no heritage, five times offers them, but not so much over here. It's uh, really the and there's good there's good money in in-play betting in this space. Yeah, you, know, you, you have to re, again. It really comes down to understanding what you're watching. And it's a sport with a lot of information and in asymmetries which is, you know, really the advantage. It's just, you know, understanding chaos and passing it. Yeah, you know, I've picked up some, I picked up some absolute ridiculous deals in the past and yeah, you I've know, just sort of kept on trying to keep abreast of in play markets. Yeah, you, know, you know, judging can be all, all over the place. So you frequently well not frequently, but you occasionally get these markets where you got somebody who's about to win the fight trading at eight to one because yeah, you the know, the book's made a made a judgment call on the decision, and they've got yeah, you know, the book whoever's doing live odds has gone oh right, I think um Bob's up two o it turns out bill's up two o <laughs> that's why that's where you're getting the real yeah you know, i I would not want that job because <laughs> even even if you're you know even if you're the best judge personally, you're still dealing with the opinions of other people. Yeah, that'd be the issue, because he's not, it's not even like, you know, you could be as good, he can be, the um, line maker can be as good as his job as he wants to be, but he's still sort of hinging on the judgment calls of judges, not even his own judgment calls, which is just ridiculous.
0: Yep, no, and it's not, you don't have to go back too far to find shocks in boxing or MMA where, you know, it might have gone the other direction, so I'm guessing it's a very thankless task.
1: Yeah, it's not be an easy job. I'm, I'm a fan of whoever. Do, I'm a fan of whoever does it. He gives me money, but I also feel bad for him and the sense he's doing a very hard job. The Betfair Exchange isn't a house that sets the odds.
0: It's betting at its purest. One punter's opinion against another's. Play the game within the game at Betfair.com.au. Gamble
1: responsibly.
0: So, do you only bet on who you think's going to win, or are you betting how they're going to win, which round? Tell me about the different offerings that are out there and how you attack them.
1: Um, limits a lot. Limits a lot higher on the straight up to win markets because, yeah, you know, it just it is how it is. Um, over unders probably the next biggest prop, which is usually they'll just pick a they'll pick a line in the sand, of the given round, and say, do you think the fight's going to go over or under this amount of time? Just yeah. You know, so if I've got over under one and a half, that means that I'm betting on the fights. End or not to end inside the first seven and a half minutes. You know, that's probably the next, uh, next side one turns getting um, liquidity. Then you just go down, and you know, there's plenty of exotic props on MMA. So, you know, sports better will average off about 20 markets in a given fight, which is, you know, enough to knock yourself out with. You know, obviously, the more the more niche they are and the more easy, the easier they are to reward, the um, quicker the title limits are. But, you know, it's a corporate bookmaker, they're making money. It's their job. Um,. Yeah, as far as i concerned, you've got, you've got strong um, diversity. There's all sorts of interesting ways of playing things, getting off like soft arbs, even hard arbs, because people aren't quite um, all working together. Yeah, there's a lot of um, slowness involved and just shitty bookmaking within the um, Australian corporate space, which yeah, wouldn't surprise anybody, but particularly in MMA. Um, yeah, really just take what you can, you know, I can't, I can't regret fight's it. gonna tend to be a good one because people will just flood the market with all sorts of garbage props and there's usually just some free value there. Yeah, I've always felt that even, you know, look at stuff like Game of Thrones, if there's interest and it's a book it's a subject the books don't traditionally cover, there's usually free value.
0: So tell me about the distribution of results in terms of you know, you've talked a lot about the chaos nature of of the sport. Does that mean that there's a wider distribution in your mind of things that can happen, or is it almost the opposite, where you're like, you know what, this is this is the only way I see this going, or there's only a number of different scenarios that this plays out.
1: Um, it depends on the fight once again. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's quite there's there's a very obvious conclusion. Other times it's just like, what the fuck, these guys are idiots. Um, I'm not sure how much this, how much of the sport you watch. Um, did you watch that last um, Cody Garvey fight? No. Ah, fair enough, unfortunate. But essentially, you know, Cody Garbrandt is a legendary idiot and he just, starts, he just tends to swing when he gets frustrated. He got frustrated and he swung, and I was going, all right, that's pretty much what we expect to happen. But it's an inherently volatile proposition. Um, on the other hand, you know, it depends on the fight. It's, you know, there's so many levels of the sport, there's so many weight classes, there's all sorts of stuff. But it's like boxing lines a lot less volatile because boxing is a lot more predictable because at the end of the day, for multiple reasons, like you got Guy, box is a lot older as a sport, so there's a lot less shock and, you know, what the fuck was that? You you, you tend to know what's happening in boxing. Guys coming from more stratified, um, existing channels become great boxers. By the time somebody's fighting for a world title in boxing, they've had 25 fights against a progressively better and better series of journeymen, that sort of stuff. And at the end of the day, they're fighting fighting in a way which is a lot less, um, you know, a lot more rules, a lot less um, chaos factor, just a lot less surprises. So, you know, from my point of view, from then Mayfair, I'll usually cap it in terms of my most likely scenarios, but even though will be quite broad. I'm not going to say I'm making the outlandish calls like a guy's going to win definitely in the third round or something. I'm just really just working on what's ever the book's given me as a as a payout, you know, as a prop sheet or as a money line sheet and just working against my opinions. And so far, it's been quite successful. Particularly when, you know, I've slowly refined my approach. Figured out ways of... Um, you know, optimizing certain situations, sort or of give too much, too, give much, give away too much. My the um idea, I guess.
0: So are your are most of your bets, are you honing in on the underdogs, or how do you, given what you said earlier, especially is that one of the areas that you'd you or you'd rather be on the underdogs more often than not? Uh
1: yes, underdogs definitely the spot, and also, yeah, I'll rarely pick anybody over one point you know, one point five for um, plus five as well. Sorry. Fighters beyond minus two hundred make up about five percent of my bets. Uh, favorites, make, favorites as a whole make up twenty seven percent of my bets. So really, I'm just hammering underdogs most of the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a sport which, which inherently encourages them. Yeah, they, they tend to be more successful. Yeah, I've, I've, made, I've made majority of my money on underdog shots. Even if you look at my own record, I've only got forty one percent hit rate and twenty percent ROI, which is yeah. You know, it's uh, I it gets close to horse racing, belief belief in like, philosophy and a lot of other um, approaches, I guess. It's all about just finding whichever office can um, get over the line.
0: And what about others in this space? Do you have a network of people that bet MMA, or do you know others that do it? And if, if so, do they do it similarly to you, or is there a, a, an array of different styles to attack MMA markets?
1: Uh, there's lots of ways to get a cat. I know some guys who pretty much play exclusively big favourites, which I wouldn't touch for a poll, and they just didn't make money. I'm not a fan of the strategy, but yeah, I've, I'm about. I'm probably in touch with the majority of the big players. Yeah, you know, there's enough forums online. It's, yeah, you know, good enough group chats. It's quite a sort of sharing community, I guess. I find it's a lot more, It's a lot because of the, um, I guess, money in the space, there's a lot more focus on, you know, being really more sharing, more communal than a lot of other, like, you know, AFL betting and all that people tend to be quite um, conservative of sharing their edges. I was having May because there's enough ways of getting an edge, it's just kind of just alright, we're all pretty much in it together. Um as a result, yeah, there's lots of ways to click out. Like my 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 way seems to work seems to work out better than most people's ways, but yeah, there's plenty of ways of making profit. Play my plenty of ways of making a living in the space. Yeah, till it's uh, until the book somehow manages to figure out how to make it less chaotic or get a better grip on it. There's just there's enough space, there's enough um, room and enough money and enough liquidity to really make money to everybody make decent uh, cash out of it. I don't, think it's necess- I don't think it's necessarily the best way. Like, yeah, you know, my way's worked out so far, but, you know, that could just be variance, to be frank.
0: So I'm interested whether or not you bet early and, you know, in advance of a fight, whether it's days or even weeks, or do you want to keep your cards close to your chest for later on when you can probably get more money down?
1: Depends on the fight. Depends on the line. You will know, I'll, I'll just usually... I'll, I'll hit it pretty much to every point. The issue is that in UFC, particularly um, if, if you're going with Australian corporates, you're just not... The limit limits are the limits, regardless. So it's not it's not like AFL where it goes from being like a thousand bucks down to being fifty thousand bucks down in the last ten minutes. Because no, it's you're getting you're getting um, the same amount down regardless, for the most part. Yeah, you know, you've got the open your op- openers will tend to have fuck all liquidity, but really once you've gone that sort of six day period before a fight, you're getting the same amount on regardless. So yeah, personally, I'll just I'll just take value when I see it.
0: What about the the idea of manipulating lines? Is that something you see in MMA, or is it something that others are able to do, or you can consider betting one side early, knowing that you're going to come back the other side late?
1: Um, I think it's definitely possible too. Yeah, you know, I need I need access to American markets to do it because five times tends to, five times really sets the market, really sets the price to the rest of the market. Yeah, I do a lot. I do a lot of arbitrage personally, but that's really just you know, <laughs> If you can give me free money, I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, anything to make money, any any way of um, unfortunately, make money as far as I'm concerned. Whatever, go go at it. I'm sure you could definitely get aware of it. There's been some jokes about in the group chat how we should all get on um five times and shoot and shoot the line in the opposite direction for taking it back the other way. But the issue was is then again, you just you're in a sort of presence dilemma at that point. So or some idiot who we haven't got in the group chat will bet it back the other way, and so it just goes into a struggle. Yeah, I just I, there's not really um. The for traffic, I've never I've, I've really seen that in the space. Not really. Yeah, there's been, there's been a few fixes. You can usually tell when a fix is happening.
0: So I wanted to ask you about that. Take, take us through that. Obviously, you watch a lot of fights. You have money invested, so you've probably got a keen eye on them. You're not at a pub you know, at midnight watching it after a few beers and throwing the idea that this is fixed or that's fixed. How do you, how do you think about this, gen, this topic in general?
1: Uh well there there's been a there was one famous like actually fixed like onto the record fixed fight in the UFC about six, seven years ago. There was a guy between a guy called Bang and the guy called Cunts, which are both fantastic last names. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah, but because that one had a real sharp line move and you could and you could just see from and the funny thing was that because the guy who was supposed to be throwing the fight got cold feet, he ended up uh, he ended up winning the fight. And yeah, it's probably <laughs> That was a bit of a shit fest. But it's more it's probably more of a boxing issue than an MMA May issue, really. Or at least the UFC issue. There's definitely some in Bellator and the second and the regionals where you can't get as so much liquidity on. There have been some iffy results. Where guys have just looked like they've just given up or whatever. it's such a chaotic sport. It is hard you can you know, sometimes you see something and go, Alright, that did not look right. But it's just guys are so all over the place, it's hard to really have conviction. Go to call something fixed yeah you judging know, judging's probably more of the issue, and even that will be you know quite dependent on how the whims of God and the whims of the judges. It's just you know you have to just may- remain um aware at all times and assume that nothing's a free lunch yeah you know, it's probably I know a bunch of guys who are happy into boxing betting and they have a lot more be they have a lot more issues that 'cause boxing'cause yeah you know, the way it's organized because um Fighters are usually sort of booking their own fights with opposed to UFC where it's like a unified organisation. You've got a lot more issues of just insane judging. Uh, you know, famously, that's of um, Fury, um, both um, Canelo, Canelo-Golovkin fights, which is just boxing is corrupt as fuck. Not so much, UFC, not so much MMA at the moment, in my opinion.
0: So t- tell me about your betting and, and staking on that, on that side of it. Obviously, the handicapping is one thing and we've spoken a little bit about that but what about the betting side do you review your approach and think how would i have extracted more money out of the marketplace or do you take us through some of the things that you do to try and obviously optimize you know the the high roi numbers that we've been talking about
1: I uh, record everything Yeah, you know, i've got a very um oversized spreadsheet at this point so I, I do regular reviews see where my um it's all categorized by types of bets when when they're placed whether i'm doing live bets when i'm doing on the day how far out um Und- you know, categorized by their um, set your odds values. Yeah, you know, make sure there's no obvious um, holes. At the moment, my only my major hole is probably big favorites, and that's why i stop stopped betting them, because I just every time I pick a big favorite, they tend to get knocked out in the first round. It's a magical power I have. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing. I mean, somebody will be like a 1.4, and the second I pick, and bang, you're unconscious. But, you know, apart from that, which is painful, I've just sort of just trundled along with that space. Um yeah, I've just make sure I've I've run some title some on my own stuff, really. It's just been, you know, just keep um come into it with the um mindset win I learn. And when you look into when you look into it the um scale we can usually see you know I picked up some trends in what I was doing. Yeah, stuff like um on the on the big favourite topic, it's usually better to pick the under in a big favourite fight than and it is to pick the big favourite to finish. You get the same price, but less um, exposure to random knockouts. But that was yeah, I paid, I paid for that um, less than tears. So well, <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, usually just be just be open to open to change, get a feel for profoundly trends in the sport. And yeah, I, I just make sure I'm doing I make sure I'm doing all my um, background data and regressions fairly frequently. In most of it's quite um, just seeing what quantitative data is doing to, is doing to change bookmaking. But yeah, I think there's still some definite um, consistent. Um, opportunities there
0: so tell me from a betting perspective and, and your perspective what impact conor mcgregor has is he a positive because the limits go up is he a negative because you know there's too much too much money in the in the in the markets and it might be more efficient and more people are betting or how does it impact you and what you're doing
1: as somebody who has a very very big bet on jose aldo back in the day i am um, personally very <laughs> sadly affected impacted I still think that was just pure. That, that, was just, that result was just... <laughs> that quick knockout, you mean? <laughs> the issue, uh, my opinion is, if any knockout's blow like a minute, it's quite meaningless, because guys just kind of... It takes you like 30 seconds again to get punched in the face. Yeah, you're quite chitty in the first 30 seconds, so if a guy's got this knockout very early, it doesn't really tell you much. So yeah, that's, why, that's always been my frustration that fight, saying, you know, it's not so much the fact that Aldo lost, it's the fact the way he lost like that, where it just kind of feels like that was just a 1 in the 100 spark out. Like, if, if Aldo had gotten destroyed by Alvarez, did I'd be, I'd be absolutely happy. Right, I was wrong. But with the Conor McGregor, the result of McGregor-Aldo, was just kind of, well... You know, it's like if a lightning bolt hit your horse. It's like, well, all right. <laughs> How the fuck is that going to do with anything? Um, it really depends what you're doing. Like, I, I've to fade mcgregor out on the way up, and, you know, Khabib actually finally pushed me back back to unprofit on his career. But, you know, McGregor's good. He's brought the spotlight into the sport. He's, well for the most part, and, yeah, you know, he's quite a um, limited, okay fighter, so there's definitely opportunities to invading him. Hopefully, whenever he comes back, probably even more. But, you know, if he comes back. And really, it's just been, it's been good to just get more um, attention into the um, space. Yeah, you because know, really, MMA tends to move by all sort of these waves of popularity. A bunch of guys came in as GSP fans, a bunch of guys came in as Chuck Liddell fans, a bunch of guys came in as... Ronda Rousey fans, really, they've all had their um, impacts in the sports. And, you know, just any, anything which increases the size of the marketplace and increases the amount of quiz offer offers is good.
0: <laughs> Does it trickle down into other markets on the same card, for example, when Conor's fighting or Brock Lesnar or some of these bigger names?
1: Yes, definitely. You know, it increase the, you know, the buy rate ten, tenfold. The yeah, average UFC pay-per-view sells, I think, 150,000 um, pay-per-views. Connor like averages about one and a half million. And because of that, there's all these people who just these people just blind punting on the undercard, yeah, because everybody would go, Oh, I've got Conor McGregor, who, who else would get put in my hacker? That sort of mindset, which I think it definitely makes a difference. I just also I feel like also it create, tends to increase diversity of props on offer. It's just really just beneficial. Like even the um Whittaker and all that in Australia it's really sort of um, helped. Yeah, I've noticed i have like, able to get about like, twice on as much on Whitaker fi on Whittaker cards as I haven't been able to on sort of non Whitaker cards lately. It's where the books are just get go wherever the money is, and the more handle they've got, the more they can, the more they can absorb sharps.
0: So tell me about Rousey. What, what, from your perspective as a you know expert in this space, let's say, what happened to her was it expected? Was it a totally unexpected event, and she was supposed to win for another couple of years?
1: I think the, I think Lerner's loss was a lot more conclusive than Holly Holm's loss was, which was really just she just never developed a striking defense, and she went to get people who could hit her, hit her hard in the face. Which isn't really a quality which is abundant in women's MMA, but yeah, you know, yeah, you know, she worked for a while, but there were massive holes there, which didn't really have the um, put the effort into fixing. Yeah, that's the, that's the issue in MMA, is, and once you lose in MMA, it tends to just be a sport which can very quickly get away from you. Yeah, you know, people figure people figure out where you're weak, and you know you fall from you can fall from the heights very quickly. Yeah, I think the UFC is probably not probably wasn't a fan of it because it was a massive um, celebrity. And again, I feel like Holly Hall managed to like. I think Rousey had sort of outlived her likability even coming up to that fight. So, yeah, it's probably reasonably fortunate in UFC's point of view. They're just just probably not happy she's in WWE now.
0: Yeah, and and what about McGregor versus Mayweather? How did you tackle that one? I think I put about uh, a
1: good chunk of my savings on Mayweather, so (laughs) logically. Yes. The way I saw that, I was like, there's like a 5% chance of a fix here. (laughs) Just go, and just pull the number out my ass, but I was like, "Oh, right, it could be a fix," but most likely Mayweather just gonna laugh at this guy. Because again, the the, the um, background betting market, like the handle they took on that fight was stupid. It was, it was insane. Yeah, I think even Vegas Vegas would have lost. What I think it was sixty million bucks if um won,
0: wouldn't they? Could have even been more. <laughs> I think Mayweather was trying to bet on himself as well, which is a good indication that uh, it's probably not fixed. Exactly.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. Mayweather, a million bucks isn't worth that much to him. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I see it. It's like, you know, if Mayweather if thought he could get another 5 over a fix, like, you know, fair, like, he makes, you know, $300 hundred million in the first one. He gets DQ'd or, like, soft knocked out in the first one, but he can make a rematch and get half as many people. He's made another $100 million bucks. so losing a million is a huge deal in the um, mid bit. But, you know, Mayweather, May, the Mayweather-McGregor thing was just this weird phenomenon. I don't, I don't think we'll see anything like it for a while.
0: Yeah, and it was one of those things where almost every person that does this professionally had a huge edge on Mayweather and the number yeah. was going the other way just because of the avalanche of money and it's, yeah. you're right, unless there's some other strange... Because it's also it's cross-sport, which is also bizarre. You're not going to get Federer playing yeah. Tiger anytime yeah. soon or something ridiculous like that, so you might be right. It might be the last time that that's ever happened.
1: It's like if LeBron was to join the Cowboys or something like that. <laughs> LeBron <laughs> joins the Cowboys and they win and they win. goes up by three games. It's like I'm fairly sure Titans will win the three games. Yeah, I think I think that you know McGregor Mayweather will just sort of sit there as this weird historical oddity. Like Lesnar, you know, Lesnar will be coming back coming back later this year, but like he's at least he was a good wrestler and like heavyweight people were a lot better. You know the skill level in the UFC falls off quite spectacularly once you get past middleweight. So Lesnar getting by on being an insane athlete was not quite as unusual yeah McGregor Mayweather was just this weird part of massive of just you know the fact that I remember when I was actually announced I was like holy shit why (laughs) and uh, my belief is that Mayweather didn't necessarily fix it but I believe that Mayweather gave Connor two three rounds before he started really shutting him down in order to sort of rehabilitate Mayweather's public image like yeah I believe Mayweather really felt the need he could have taken out in two rounds
0: yeah no it looked like he was clearly superior so it was a matter of time I suppose
1: well, Mayweather, Mayweather probably came out, got hit once, twice. Like, all right, he hits fairly hard, but not hard enough. I'm really concerned. So I go put a show on. Because if he, if he felt like he was a danger at any point, he would have gotten his bike. <laughs> and he would have just spent 12 minutes, yeah, 12 rounds, you know, being untouched. Or he would have, like, immediately knocked him out. Well, he probably saw a of, all right, I've got the eyes of the world on me again. If I can make this entertaining, whilst taking minimal risks, you know, it's, it's, it really improves my um, advertising, my image going forward. Pick a guy like that. The last fight for Mayweather we really had the eyes of the world was, Mac- was Mayweather-Pacquiao, and nobody liked that fight.
0: So one final question for you about this this space and the, the trajectory. Would you be advising your friends to to get involved in MMA? Do you think it really relies on the superstars to carry it forward, or what are some of the things that you're hoping for in this space over the next handful of years?
1: Uh, they've just swapped from... Um, started this year, they've swapped from Fox to ESPN which I think has actually made quite a difference. ESPN seems a lot more willing to actually um, promote the sport. You know, Fox used to have it on the... It uh, used to have it in there, but just it seemed to be like there's seven... You know, it was, it was like filler. Or ESPN's really been pushing it. So I think that, you know, you could see the UFC as a product um tend to um, advance a bit more now that they've got a more interested broadcaster. Um, and really, yeah, I think... Combat sports are always going to rely on superstars. Like My belief is the next um, truly massive combat sports superstar is going to be when somebody... Um, Find talented um Chinese fighter. Yeah, you know, if you if you could get a um Chinese Pacquiao, that would be a license to print money. Yeah, you know, imagine if in twenty percent China if China got behind somebody. I don't know, you and you know, as as a gambling market, I don't think it's actually the best one to get into immediately because yeah, you know, there's a lot of arbitrages, which is a good spot, but to actually make money outright you have to watch a lot of it. Compared to AFL and all that we can, you know, I mean it's probably reductive to say just make a model, but it's a lot easier to model it's a lot easier to get inputs and to get data of ufc data is probably is either irrelevant or just hard to get i don't know I, I think it's opportunities i think you know once again you have to, you have to keep finding whether the new sports coming up are like esports was was easy money for about three four years at one point i personally aren't following it as much as i used to be but i think it's still yeah it's always a trick you gotta usually books are going to get punished in um fields where they know nothing about and you know just keep an eye on what the um, people are moving into
0: Absolutely. I think that, that niche aspect is something that works generally across the board. But also, can I ask you about just resources for those who are interested in this space or might have started looking into it? What are some of the websites or, or things you rely on to help build your knowledge and, and help your handicapping?
1: Uh, Fight Metric, which is probably the uh, sort of Bible of UFC stats. You know, it's, their, it's their stat partner. It's all pretty much available for free. Uh, BetMMA.tips, tips, bunch of good resources there, a bunch of good guys. MMA Twitter even, you know. I think a lot of guys are quite friendly, quite willing to communicate and answer questions. Um, there's quite a few good podcasts out, you know, Heavy Hands, MMA Viv section. Not so much betting, just, you know, understanding the sport. Um, I've got my own, which I'll... you might, I'll share my plug of the link because the name's a bit weird. Um, yeah, just really just... and just watch a lot of fights, you know. It's, the information's all there. So it's, not, it's not like a really sort of confidential boys club or anything.
0: And where can people find you on Twitter if they want to shoot you a question or a, or a message and, and find out a little bit more?
1: Uh, for me, Gugabed, which is Gugabe with an extra D. For maybe somebody else took they took the original name, so very sad, but very well.
0: Um, yeah,
1: so I'm about on Twitter. I'm sure I'll probably link to this. Um, yeah, always always happy to talk to people about about the subject. I think it's a great sport, probably the best one. And yeah, there's a lot might be mad.
0: Awesome. I really appreciate your time uh, like I said in the beginning a topic I'm not fully familiar with so it was very interesting to chat about how the world of betting on MMA works
1: yeah thanks mate thanks for having me it pleasure being on here